Hello and welcome from the Rookery End. My name's John. With me, as always, is Michael. Hola, buenos dias. <laughs> oh yes, I've just tripped to the uh, new camp. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast, a little bit different. Uh, and Jason. Hey, good afternoon. That's a bit better. We're in Vicarage Road just after Watford uh, winning here for and yet another home win. 3-2 uh, against Everton. And it's certainly, Mike, a better game than the last time we saw Watford play at Vicarage Road against Stoke. Yeah, very, very disappointed with the Stoke performance. Um, obviously, missed West Brom, but apparently that was a little bit better. But yeah, I think, to be perfectly frank, I thought Watford took a little little while to get going today. I thought there was a lot of uh, misplaced passes. I thought the touch from a, from a number of players was was poor. And the frustrating thing about the, perhaps the first half an hour of this game was that Everton were, were poor as well. I think I described them as pedestrian um, to, to a couple of people I sat with. And We've just sort of like very limp from both both sides for the first sort of 20, 25 minutes. Um, but as soon as Watford scored, I thought they they um, they came back into it and they, they started looking much more much more lightly, much more um, focused, much more direct and belief. They just seemed to believe it a little bit more because they just yeah they just felt really limp for that first 25 minutes. And we let a, we let a very average Everton side score. Lukaku sort of just waltzed through. It was a it was a half decent ball forward, but really it was a relatively aimless aimless punt up. And he just sort of waltzed through the middle of the uh, the two centre backs and uh, yeah scored. It was all too easy for Everton, but yeah ultimately Watford turned it around um, and thoroughly deserved the win. I think three two probably flattered Everton a little bit in the end. The two Lukaku who actually took what was a all right. Ball and did something with it who caused some issues and was in the right place there yeah he for me just quick look at Everton he was the thing that sort of shines out of them otherwise they are an all right team and you talk about both teams being a bit limp the bit I think where Watford sort of kicked on was when everything just got a bit quicker yeah and then I'll tell you when things got better for Watford when they started delivering decent balls (laughs) The, the game changed properly let's say even though things were changing when we got our first goal um, for Akaka. Um Jason, I think there were three men in that goal. One was Troy Deeney for what was a, a throwing himself forward header to, to get the ball, actually do something with it, where he got the, uh, the chance to uh, give it to Akaka. And then, all of a sudden, Amrabat and him really shone. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. Deeney won the ball back in a dangerous position, and, and that's what sort of pressing high is all about. We, we Pressing from the front, Deeney's won the ball back, and we're in a good position. Everton knew Amrabat was going to be a danger and there were times when play was slow that he was well covered. He had two, maybe three men on him and, and sort of ended up running into a, into a cul-de-sac. But you love that, that Amrabat to having two men put on him yeah, now. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But because we won the ball back early, we won it up high, they weren't ready for him. So when he got the ball, he had a bit of space and time to put in a decent cross. <laughs> but also, but also to be to credit, not just to him, um, the movement from Akaka. When we were looking slow and one-paced early on in the game, Akaka was probably still the only man who looked to be actually yeah. making any movement up front. And again, it was his run to the near, near post. Um, Amrabat could see what he was going to do. It, meant, it, made, it made it easy for Amrabat almost. He didn't have <laughs> anyone to beat with the cross. He just put it in an area where Akaka could get to it. And that finish, oh, it was lovely, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it's got to be one of the, the most uh, spectacular first goals a Watford player ever ever scored. I don't, think, I don't think we can gloss over the importance of the decent delivery, though. It's yeah. been lacking from Watford all season, and in particular, Norden Amrabat. And, you know, it's after a win, it's, it's never really fair to, to be overly critical. But that's been what's lacking from his game. As you say, John, to have someone, have Norden Amrabat double march shows that he's, he's, been, he's been noticed. But I have to say, his delivery has been it's been appalling all season. 
And lo and behold, first decent ball in, what happens? Akaka replies the, the bit of skill. Holobas, um, free kick in the second half. Decent delivery, great trajectory, impossible to deal with a defender. Goal. This is the difference. This is the difference. Because otherwise it would have just been a, with this sort of, you know, like two lumbering heavyweights, sort of like gloves studying against each other. We've seen those boxing boxing fights, they're just dull. And we would just would, would have been like that. The difference was that bit of quality. And for the first sort of 25 minutes, I was thinking, this Watford team is in danger of becoming less than the sum of its parts. We're used to, we're used to the opposite with Watford. And there's so, you look around and there's, there's so much talent. And we thought we were in danger of just not, not realising it. Um, but then we got there. We got the fillet with the goal, and uh, and we took it on. Uh, but yeah, delivery, delivery, delivery. It made all the difference today, and it was just a, like, it was a real thrill to see good balls being coming in from either from either open play or set pieces, and us benefiting from it. It's uh, finally great to see. The man of the match. He scored two goals. Uh, went on from from that first goal, Ukaka. Um, there was a, there was a point though, Jason, at the beginning of the game when you see Ukaka and you see Dini up front. You think, isn't that the same player? Are we not just got two really strong players who are physical and playing up front? Do, do we not lack something in terms of being dynamic? They do. They do look very similar, don't they, in uh, in what they look like. But I, I think we saw a bit more from Ukaka. I think they don't appear to be. Blessed with pace, do they? <laughs> but he's qu- but Okaka's but, far quicker for but, a man of his size. Yeah, but but he is, and that's it. You take for example, not maybe not the attacking play, but there was a challenge. Uh, I can't remember what half it was where he's he's tackled out on the on the wing here on this side on the uh, Elton John side where he just appeared from nowhere and fairly clattered their man, and you, you, that's going to worry you as a as a defender as an attacker whatever when a guy of that size is coming at you, and all of a sudden there you can see his strength if you. We say we haven't got then sort of maybe not a, I don't like to say it, a Vidra type player that you can put the ball in front of. But if you're racing against a Kaka, regardless of, of how quick, if, you, if you're a couple of yards quicker than that man, you know that when you get to the ball, he's not going to be too far behind and he's going to come through you to try and win that ball. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem to matter so much. Yeah, that telephone box in a Watford shirt, Mike, uh, come behind you, um, is, is, is going to be quite a, a, a worry for a lot of players. But I, there, was a point, there was a point really early in the game where he ran back and he made a tackle. And I thought to myself, Choi's pulled him aside and says, if you want to get the team on your side, the fans on your side, after a bad performance at West Brom, just show some good hard tackles. But he sort of went beyond that. Well, there was a bit of that. There was a, he was a rabble rouser as well, wasn't he? He was sort of, um, when the ball was going out for play, he was sort of trying to, trying to wind his fellow Watford, Watford players up and trying to get the supporters going again. Um, and yeah, he was, I think he had a slow start, like the rest of the, rest of the side. But as Jay said, yeah, he, he sort of went that extra yard when, when the others were kind of, it looked like they were thinking it's all too hard again. You know, Holobas getting in a mood, Kapu sort of lolloping around, and it's just like, oh, we're gonna, we've gone one nil down. This is this is all too difficult. We've seen it before. But he was sort of still sort of, you know, fist pumping and and rah rah. And in elite sport, that only goes so far. But it is important to to, to see that sort of stuff when when things aren't going your way, which, which we haven't seen, which we didn't see against Stoke. We we just saw a, a, a complete capitulation. And it was, yeah, it was good to see someone with that sort of energy, that verve, and as Jay said, that just sheer size and sort of effort and willpower. Kind of, I'm not going to say he dragged Watford back into this game single-handedly, but but yeah, he was a, he was a big part in it. I don't think he's the most talented footballer in, the, in this squad by a long way, but but today he was, he was important. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Look at the, the lineup of that squad, and I think this is a sort of feeling I've had for a couple of weeks now, where I don't think either I'm 100% sure or I'm seeing what would be the first choice eleven. That's maybe 
um, you know, there hasn't been a player having a good run of games. We go, yep, you're in that, you're in that place. Yeah, it was Barami, but he's off for a game. And then it was Britos, but then he's away, you know, he's suspended for a game. So this has been a worry of mine for the last couple of games. And today it didn't feel 100%. I think Okaka actually maybe changed my mind about the, the choices for up front. But there's sort of one man on that pitch where you sort of go, when everyone's back, you ain't going to be a first choice player. It's Guardiola. Yeah, and he, he had a decent effort against today. But there were still moments where you sort of think, oh, you know, someone else wouldn't have done it. A first-team player might not have made the, the same mistake or made, the, made that wrong decision that you've just made there. But even so, and again, we talk about Akaka having sort of that, that's that drive. Again, the same with Gedeo, you, you cannot fault him because he has got that passion, that drive and that willpower, and he will work really, really hard for that team. Um, and that's a good thing. That's what you want your sort of squad players to have because they know they're not as talented or, well, Maybe they think they're a talented. Maybe they need to have that belief that they're talented as a first-team squad. But what it means is they are going to work extra, extra hard to try and show the gaffer that yeah they are capable of playing in a Premier League first eleven. Because Mike, the, you know the the obvious now it wasn't you know, he got his first he got a start he wasn't you know, he didn't really cement himself where Karka might have cemented himself. I mean you you believe I would think he's going to start the next game. Guardiola didn't, but Pereira is likely to come in again. But he wasn't as missed. I, I was thinking about him for the first half an hour and I was wondering how, you know, because when him and Kapu get going together, they can look unplayable with Barami doing the tough stuff and then um, Kapu and, and Pereira providing that bit of creativity, that, that sort of lovely languid stuff that can all of a sudden result in a break. And I did wonder what, what Pereira would have done to a, quite frankly, pretty lacklustre Everton. It did, did need that little bit of creative spark. He's definitely going to come back in. He's, he's an important player for Watford. He, we, we've seen, and this is the other thing that I kept, I kept thinking about the pod during the game, and we're going to, I'm going to say glimpses a lot. <laughs> but we still have only seen glimpses from Pereira, I think. And if he can really... I think if he starts playing well, and Kapu starts playing well um, really consistently, then you will see this Watford side consistently performing well. That sometimes that sort of middle, that engine room, it feels a little bit fractured, a little bit disjointed, um, and it happens too often for my liking. But I think he's definitely going to come back in. He's got a lot to offer. I want to see more from him still. Um, I said it ahead of the Leicester game, uh, and they fired then him and Kapu. They just started like an absolute train, and and Leicester could have been out of sight after after half an hour. Um, he's, so yeah, he's definitely going to come back in. He has to show more though. He has to show more. Um, and he was obviously missing today because he got sent off. He's the millionth Watford player to be sent off. Um, and mm. I thought one of the pleasing things today, in what was a relatively niggly game, there were a couple of things that, that could, have, could have been flared up. The discipline was, was better today. There wasn't, there wasn't, more, there wasn't back chat to the referee. Um, there wasn't you know, pedantic trips and flicks and fouls and stuff. So that was better. So we had, better, we had a better disciplinary performance. We had a better defensive performance, thanks in, in part to my uh, sweet Austrian prince, Seb Brödel. <laughs> another magnificent uh, performance. I thought, um, I thought Zuniga was great. Um, so, yeah, kudos to the, the defence. And, yeah, we got the delivery going as well. So the three things that we were looking for improvements, I think we got them to a degree today. Mm. Lot, still a work in progress. I think we should have made less hard work of, of a poor Everton side this afternoon. Um, Jace, the one thing that changed, apparently, you know, uh, in, on WD Sport this week, um, Troy saying that they changed the corners um, uh, marking uh, halfway through last week before West Brom. So they were going to the West Brom game with a new system. Um, today, we kept it. We're, we're zonal marking now. Rather than man marking, we're zonal marking. What, what is 
the difference for you? What, what's that going to do that we're now a different type of market, marking? It, it does worry me, I think, zonal marking. I think I prefer man marking to zonal marking. Um, and you can see it in all its glory when we lined up for that first corner in the first half where all the players are sort of just lolling, sorry, not lolling around, that's harsh, isn't it? They're standing to attention in the six-yard <laughs> box. Um, and, and the thing that worries me about zonal marking is if you put the ball then in the right place and you've got a defender, let's say, like Lukaku, coming in to attack that ball as a defender especially if you're all then on a standing start that's very very hard to defend against as Graham Taylor once said very very hard to defend against a, a well executed set piece mm. and, I, and I wonder if that was the problem with the with the second Everton goal as well because then you sort of again they're zonal um, so you're not picking up a particular man so who has got Lukaku is Britos then meant to be marking up because Britos obviously had Lukaku to mark all game he then actually got dragged out so the the area where he was marking for the corners the Everton guy got the ball and then sort of moved away from the middle dragged Britos with him balls in got to Lennon Lennon's put the cross in no one's on Lukaku and he scores an easy free header so yes it still still worries me um, I'm sure they won't just give up on it that easily and they will continue to work on it and if we're lucky <laughs> or if it goes well, we will benefit from it. Look at Palace, they've gone the other way. They've changed from zonal to man marking because it didn't work for them, but then different things work for different teams, so let's it's, see. It's a discipline, isn't it? And it's one that you have to get used to, and one that you have to be very, you have to be quick on your feet, you have to be alert, um, you, have to, you have to be sort of predicting what's going to happen before, before it happens, which is, which is very difficult. And I think to, in their defence, in the defence's defence, <laughs> you know, if Lukaku... It meets the ball at the right time. It's going to be almost impossible to defend again. If the ball is right and the run is right, then you, 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 it's almost impossible to stop because you know immovable force and objects and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a discipline that they're going to have to learn. There was one moment we saw uh, Britos. He was just backpedalling a little bit, and he knew that he was never going to get the purchase he needed to get up and, and get the ball away. So I don't think we're quite there with it. Um, but it does open up if we get it right. It opens up opportunities um, for a sort of more flowing fluid sort of approach and maybe breaking quicker and and, and dealing with the the threats that we're going to see um you know we've got Manchester City coming next yeah. so it'll be uh, if anyone can exploit um uh, zonal marking it'll be it'll be someone with the uh, with the attacking assets they've got so fascinating to see how we get on up there because yeah, the next couple of games two way games man city this week wednesday following the saturday we've got a uh, away game at sunderland uh, who have found a bit of form does it feel like we're going to get something from those games, Jase? Mm, Man City, you mentioned it earlier, John, it's a free hit. Last free hit we had was Liverpool. <laughs> did, we, did we treat that as too much of a free hit? Maybe we did. Sunderland. But the good thing is, hopefully, we're not going to turn up like we did last year at the, uh, at the Etihad, where we paid everybody. Deeney was, was in defence, it almost felt like. There was no sort of going at them. And if anything you can say about that Liverpool game, it wasn't like we were sat with 11 at the back or 10 at the back we and should have been well we should have been but we didn't and there were, were opportunities there that we did score a goal and we could have scored a few more goals possibly hopefully that's the one thing I don't want to see at that Man City game where we're going right we're dead scared of you sit back completely they will approach it differently hopefully they will have learned the lessons from the Liverpool game and make changes accordingly and we'll, we'll hopefully see a lot more of a, of a fight they, they're going to be Sons Aguero as well aren't they because he'll still be on his yeah. band which will make all the difference I'm sure um, <laughs> and then Sunderland which obviously was three points there last year they have turned something of a corner so they're looking better um, 
but again not a team we should be scared of we uh, if we play well enough and if we you'd think it wouldn't take much and if we attack and drive like we did when we were playing well today and like we did against Leicester it wouldn't take long for their fans to get on their back and then they start getting worried and we can cause them problems Talking about the next couple of games, I think it does drive at home how important today was to get something from because it would have kept that could have been what four defeats in in five or mm. you know or, or one win in five, whichever however it would have panned out. And then you're looking Manchester City away, you know any betting man isn't going to going to back Watford there. Sunderland away all, all of a sudden becomes a, a high pressure game where you're thinking right we'll grab a point there and then hopefully get something against Crystal Palace on on Boxing Day. It gives, we've given ourselves another little cushion, you know before all the three o'clock's kick off we've gone back up into seventh place and that it almost feels like no one really took advantage of us losing those three games in in a, in, a, in 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 four um but had we failed to win today we would have put ourselves under some some serious pressure going into christmas and i think i think it was matsari who said that the christmas is christmas is going to dictate how this season goes for us and and i think that feels right i think if we can pick up perhaps I don't know if we can nick a point against Man City, that'd be amazing. But to be to be honest, I'd take a point at Sunderland and a win at home against against Crystal Palace, and I think that would that would represent a decent sort of return from those three games because we've put ourselves in a position where that's a, that's a suitable return. We don't want that sort of ment- well that momentum we built up. But hey, this is a good game. Next game needs to be a good game. The next game next game needs to be a good game. I don't think we've done that at any point this season. Fingers crossed that Santa can bring some joyous Hornet cheer. Not Santa. Come on. Oh. Walter. Matsari needs to deliver it because you're right. And I'm going to be serious. I mean, I do love Christmas. I'm really <laughs> excited. And I love Santa Claus. If you're listening, St Nick, uh, how are you? Um, but it's important because you're absolutely right, John. It's a really important point that we haven't followed up a decent performance or a win with another good performance. Leicester was great. And then what did we get after that? Um, so it's what we must must build on it, and it is down to the coaching staff, it's down to the boss, and it's down to the players to take some responsibility and think, right, let's move this on and let's make sure that it's not just a, a one-off. Um, uh, in, in the um, in the at your place, um, they are one of the one of the guys asked Seb Prudel which of the ratings um, listings he, uh, he he takes most notice of. He didn't say ESPN, which is a bit of a shame for me because I do I do those for them. But in ten every week from him or for him from you, is it? Oh, yeah, eleven out of ten. Um, <laughs> And um, but in doing those ratings, what you notice is there's very much up and down. These players they're not consistent, and we're not getting consistent performances. What we want is sevens and eights from everyone every week. There's no reason that can't happen with these guys. Absolutely no reason why not. They show it. They need to show it again and then again and then again. No excuse. They just need to work hard and to deliver, deliver for us. So come on, Walter, be our father Christmas. Let's have a great follow-up against Man City. Uh, a great follow-up against London. We, we can do it. You can do it. From the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin, and he has a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to once again welcome Arlo to Michael Parkinson. Hello, Arlo. Hello. Now then, yesterday, Watford beat Everton at Vicarage Road. Now, it was their last home game before Christmas. So, while we're on the theme of Christmas, if you could buy a Christmas present for one Watford player... Which player would it be, and what would you buy for him? It would be um, the one that scored two goals. Akaka, Stefano Akaka, you'd buy him a present. What would you get for him? Christmas hat. Okay, good stuff, Arlo. Have a happy Christmas. Bye.
Orleans, you're the Orleans. Come on, you Orleans! As foot fans of the podcast, Mike, we do like to know what's going on in the club, not just what's going on the pitch and what's going on with the first team. Yeah, we do. Uh, two things come up now in the podcast. One, we're uh, one to come where we're going to chat to Dave Messenger um, about the new sensory room that some of you might have seen, the sign uh, at the game today. Uh, but uh, also I spoke to uh, Mike and Geordie before today's game uh, about the At Our Place slash Fans Forum um, that the club held this week at Vicarage Road. My, as what Fans Forums go, in my time of going through, we've never had to have one where we're, say, Blackpool, where we have to try and find someone and keep, hold them to rights. No, no. Uh, we've never really gone to one either, where it's a big corporate machine, where it feels like you're not talking to the right person. Yeah. They're the perfect event. They are, and it's, uh, you called them a fan forum at the top, and I think it's important to get the context absolutely right of these events, is that they're off the record, and now we're about to go on the record and talk <laughs> about it, so sorry, Watford Football Club, but they're quite informal, quite relaxed, and the, and the, and the MO is really, you can ask anything you want, so you're right, it is an absolute perfect event for any Watford supporter to go to. The, the people who sit on the panel are very relaxed, you can tell by the, just the whole demeanour of the evening is a very relaxed evening, and I don't think there's many, certainly not many Premier League clubs who are going to put on a, an event like that and, and actively invite you to ask any question you want. They say at the top, you know, if it's X, Y and Z, then you might not get a straight answer or we might come back to you later, but you are invited to ask absolutely anything you want. So I know some people might not think it's necessarily their cup of tea, but I'd recommend getting along because, it, yeah, you can, you can ask whatever you want and, and there's some always interesting answers. Uh, who was on the panel? Scott uh, Duxbury, Chairman. Scott Duxbury. Yes, Chairman, President, uh, <laughs> Prime Minister of Watford. Yeah, Scott Duxbury was there. Um, Filippo Giraldi, who is uh, Technical Director, I believe is, the, uh, is, the, is, his, uh, is his job title. And uh, the wonderful, glorious, <laughs> delectable Sebastian Pruddle was there as well. Christmas came early for me, John, I can tell you. Geordie, <laughs> what, what stood out for you? What was interesting is that normally these happen on the, on the run of a few victories. And this is probably the first time I remember us having lost a couple of games. And I, I just wondered if it was going to have... What kind of questions were we going to get? Because there's obvious questions. And to Mike's point, it was, um, it was it's no holes barred, really. But people, they spoke about Lettergate. Um, they spoke about the defensive frailties, letting in headers. Um, someone questioned the passion, uh, which is never a good thing to do to, uh, to someone from the Mediterranean. <laughs> so uh, Filippo started doing lots of hand gestures. And, uh, and, and Seb just kind of had that kind of Austrian... You know, cold. Yeah, yeah, I will break you. Kind of, like, <laughs> kind of Terminator type uh, stare. Uh, so, didn't question his passion. Um, I think it's difficult to find anything that stands out because there's no skeletons really at Watford. There's nothing that you really yeah. see that is like, oh my god, I didn't know that. Oh, that's a reveal. I mean, you know, they didn't. They didn't even dwell on the Adidas thing. What, 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 what I would say did what did stand out was how how honest they were to most questions. I think one of the key ones was, oh, I asked it actually. Uh. It was about um, you didn't think I was going to turn up and not ask a question. I tried <laughs> to ask another one, and like, nope, get the mic away from that ball. Um, but I asked about sort of youth development and progression to the first team, and whether they think that that's actually. Um, possible, you know, because we, we talked about the academy. Is that route still open, or is it on hold until we're established in the Premier League? And, and Filippo Giraldi was very honest, and he said it's almost impossible to get. I'm paraphrasing. He said it's very, very, very difficult to get a player from the youth team all the way into the into the first team because the standard is just so high. Um, he, he said he appreciated the fact that people want that local boy to, to come because that's what we all hang our hats on and that's what football supporters love to see. But he was very open and honest and said that is difficult. Um, they strive for it, but don't 
oh, don't hold your breath. And again, that's, that's not a direct quote, but that was kind of, and that was refreshing in as much as it was honest. It was not saying, yes, we've got him coming, we've got a couple who we're really hopeful for. He just said it's really, really difficult. And I, I appreciated that honesty. And I think it, it makes sense, really, when you look at who we're bringing in. Um, some of the recruitment hasn't been absolutely on the money. Some of them haven't, haven't really hit the, hit the straps yet. Um, but yeah, just to hear, look, we're trying, but it's really difficult. Was I think it, it was good. It was good to hear. The stadium. I saw on Twitter some people saying that they talked about the expansion of the stadium. I think they mentioned that a previous one as well. That they may go up to thirty thousand, but Scott might just want to take a, a breather from his uh, many jobs because he's got. I think he's pretty got to clean the stadium as well. <laughs> one of his, on his list of responsibilities, he doesn't want to make it too difficult. Um, yeah, they, they said they might. Uh, they might leave it a year. There's a good point uh, raised around the fact that there's also a lot of empty seats with yeah. no shows, and actually, you know, does that is that going to are we are we amplifying the stadium for kind of big eventers who just want to come and see a Premier League game who don't really care about Watford? Uh, and obviously, Scott pointed out that if you increase the stadium capacity, you have to increase the away yeah. capacity, yeah. and you know, there, there's lots of stuff going on with the stadium, um, disability access, accessibility, and stuff like that, which is obviously important. I think the clubs made an announcement, or they were imminent with an announcement on the day. So, so there was some topics on the stadium, but I think we're quite happy with how the stadium is at the moment, um, as long as it kind of stays here. Uh, <laughs> that's the main thing. It's not that windy, but I think four four thousand no shows for the Stoke game. I yeah. thought was absolutely extraordinary. And yes, it was early. Yes, it was on TV. Yeah, I kind of get it. But four thousand out of a out of a capacity of out of twenty twenty percent is is a lot. And uh, um, and uh, some of the guys there were saying that the difficulty is when season ticket holders don't sell their seats back, there are seats available, but they're singles or there's the occasional double. So it's very hard for casual buyers to, to hoover those up if season ticket holders aren't, aren't reselling them. And there was talk about the price point at what, what, they, what the, the buyback figure is, 12 quid, which, you know, personally, I think it's quite reasonable. Because if you go to, as Richard Walker pointed out, if you go over 20 quid, which is the pro rata price for a season ticket, you can, you can, you can turn a profit. Um, so it's very difficult, and I think Watford are, Watford are trying. Um, so, but four thousand was shocking. So come along if you've got a ticket, get someone else to use it, or, or do come along. But um, Jordy mentioned um, he dropped it in almost as casually as uh, Scott did on the evening about the kit, um, which I thought was interesting. So if you missed the announcement on the website or on Twitter, Watford are moving to Adidas. So Watf- Adidas, Adidas, Adidas. I don't. Carry on. Let's call the whole podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just quite interesting, isn't it? That obviously that dry world deal has been quite publicly severed partway through the season. So, uh, and I was just speaking to a friend of mine who's a QPR supporter, and there's some murmurings coming out of, of QPR that they actually signed a 10-year deal with with dry world, and they're starting to uh, pull back from that over over at Loftus Road. So something's obviously happened. But you don't halfway through a season yeah. announce that we've got a new partner unless things have completely changed. It looks like they haven't fulfilled their end of the bargain because yeah. it's not like Watford to, to make that sort of announcement at this stage. So, yeah, it was a fascinating evening. Um, I mean, we're lucky that we're local enough to come along to them. But, yeah, like I say, I would recommend coming along because everyone, did, you know, there was non-stop questions for, for two and a half hours, yeah. I guess. Everyone everyone had something to ask. Some were sort of weighty issues and some were more, more flippant. Some were about the style of play. You know, nothing's off the table. So... Yeah, I know we're lucky enough to be able to, to come because we're local, but do come along to the next one if, uh, if you get the chance. It's, a, it's a, just another little reminder of the things that Watford do that they don't have to. Um, and in this, this sort of heady days of the Premier League and, and all the glitz and glamour that surrounds that, it's just a nice little reminder that they, they care about supporters and, and giving them access. It's good, good stuff. Some people might have seen Mike at the game today in the north-east corner of the, of the ground. Uh, so it's in the sensory room. Uh, it's a new facility that opened today um, here at the club. 
Yep, yeah, it's in between the, the corner of the, uh, the Sir Elton John stand and the Vicarage Road end and what the, what the club have done have freed up what was corporate hospitality space and they've created a, a marvellous new facility which is for use by families with, with children or uh, on the autistic spectrum and it allows them to come and, come and enjoy the game in, in an environment that's, that's suitable for, for them. We caught up with Dave Messenger, the support liaison officer, uh, plus Pete Shippey and Kate Shippey who have been uh, from Sunderland and they've been pushing this and working with Watford to develop uh, this facility as well as our club, as all the clubs around the country, not just the Premier League, uh, just to, to figure out what, what is it uh, and how is it going to benefit uh, Watford fans, both parents and children. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the podcast Supporter Liaison Officer Dave Messenger. Dave, how are you? Very well, thank you, Michael. Dave, we've, uh, we've recorded three points, which is a rarity for, for, for Watford in the last couple of months, but uh, we're somewhere brand new, aren't we, in Vicarage Road Stadium. Can you, can you tell the listeners where we are? Yeah, we're in the brand new sensory room, um, which anybody that's familiar with Vicarage Road will be able to tell you is in the northeast corner, in the new development there. Um, the sensory room's literally been open for the first time today, so we've had a couple of families in that have enjoyed the match, and the purpose of the sensory room is to give children with autism and other learning difficulties a safe and secure environment in which to watch football. At the moment, if someone was to come to a game with autism the crowd or the noise or anything inside the stadium could um, trigger sensory overload for them and, and be quite painful and quite uncomfortable so the idea of this room is to give them a safe and secure place to watch the match and we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, Pete, Kate and Nathan who have been here enjoying the game today Pete you're, you're Nathan's dad if you could just ex- sort of explain how important rooms like this are and, uh, and how they help help you yeah definitely thank you this facility here today which uh, Dave and Watford have, have, have put together is, is absolutely fantastic I tried to take Nathan to a match uh, his first game back in 2014 uh, up at Sunderland and he couldn't cope being autistic he couldn't cope with the noise and then he had to leave halfway through so we thought that was it he's not going to be able to go to football but through that sort close season the summer of 2014 he, he was asking to go back so we're like oh we've got a bit of a problem he wants to go but he, but he can't so we came up with the idea of a sensory room got a big sort of petition and emails in at Sunderland and uh, we're pleased that the start of the last season they opened a sensory room there which which has proven to be a great success um, it's, it's for more than just Nathan it's for sort of three families that need it and it, it's been full all for last season um, and now I've got the campaign to try and get every Premier League club stadia nationwide um, in the AFL and National Stadiums to, to incorporate sensory rooms as well. And now Watford have become the second Premier League club to do it. Um, as I say, Dave Messenger here has done an absolutely wonderful job. And it's, it's just needed because now that I can take Nathan or people like that on the autism spectrum to a, to a game and, and not have to think about it. It's, 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 a, it's a brilliant facility they've put in here. And it's the first, the first time it's been used today. How did it go? Did everything go to plan? Did, and did Nathan enjoy it, most, most importantly? He certainly did. That's it. It's, it's great to see another three points of Watford as well. It's been, uh, yeah, a wonderful day. He did enjoy it. And the other family that were in here as well, absolutely perfect. You know, they would enjoy the game and they would go and play in the, the sensory room area uh, for a little while and come back. And uh, it's, it's gone absolutely brilliantly, absolutely perfectly. Couldn't ask for anything more. Well enough to uh, turn Nathan into a Watford supporter? Could do, I know there's that risk. <laughs> we're, uh, we're actually looking forward to next Saturday, obviously, in Sunderland v Watford and seeing if our brainwashing, I mean, uh, our <laughs> invitation to Nathan today is going uh, to cause Pete and Kate a couple of issues next weekend. Yellow is his favourite colour, so there is a danger that that could happen. <laughs> Excellent, the plan is unfolding. Now, Dave mentioned where we are. We're in between the, um, the Sir Elton John stand and the, and the Vicarage Road end. There's a magnificent view looking out uh, over the
over the pitch. It really, really is one of the one of the best views in the house. But so you've got all your all the seats. There's very comfortable. There's bean bags. There's there's plenty of seats. There's plenty of space. I believe the uh, the acoustics are muffled to to keep the to keep the noise down from outside. And I think there's some special uh, window film on the uh, on the glass there to make sure that it's not too bright. So the view here is great. But there is a there is a wall here um, resplendent with uh, with the Watford team looking uh, happy. I think <laughs> dapper. Dapper, yeah, absolutely dapper. But if we go behind this behind this wall, Dave and uh, the Pete, can you explain what there is behind here? Yes, yeah, so this is the actual sensory room part of the facility. So the the um, where we've been is obviously the viewing area for the match, which there's been bags and the other comfortable areas as you've seen. But the purpose of the sensory room area itself is for those moments when the when the child is experiencing sensory overload. This gives them a calming facility in which to escape to, if you like. And I'm sure we'd all like to escape from the odd Watford <laughs> game over the years. But for the for the youngsters that can't handle the noise, sometimes this is great. So as you can see, we've got a bubble tube over in the corner here, which is flashing in different colours blowing bubbles through the mirror effect makes it look like there's three or four so again the kids enjoy playing with this we've got a fiber optic carpet we've got a fiber optic softy which is a great big essentially bean bag um, with lots and lots of fiber optic cables coming out of it which again as you can see changing colors and the glitter ball up in the corner which has a projector uh, projecting different colours on there and giving a lovely effect in the room. So the idea of the room is you have a nice calming facility in which for ch- people to for children to come to. Yeah, it's great. Okay, some people might think that if you're um, if you're experiencing experiencing sensory overload, that the colours might how do how do the colours help? Because some people might think that, that a lot of extra colour might be an extra sort of burden if you like. Yeah, it's actually the way that the colour is um, portrayed. Really, it's very slow. It's very calm, and especially with the bubble tube where the bubbles are moving around and are gently changes the colour it just brings all of that in in overstimulation completely down and you have a lovely calmness in fact I find it lovely (laughs) I don't really need them so yes I've seen how they work as well in special schools um it's just a tremendous facility and now it's great that we can actually bring Nathan to an away match it's the first one he's ever been to so it's absolutely fantastic it's a pleasure to have him I'm sure he's been uh, well behaved and he's seen three points and he's our new lucky mascot Dave how can how can families with um, with similar needs with similar issues um, make use of this place at Watford yeah obviously we'd be delighted to hear from anybody that's out there that um, feels this facility would be ideal for their youngsters um, we're looking and particularly thinking about perhaps there's season ticket holders that don't currently bring their children because their children have these uh, difficulties um, and this would be an ideal facility for them and worse still there's probably people out there listening to the podcast that aren't coming to games at all because the youngsters can't come to the match and we'd, we'd be delighted to hear from those supporters um, there's availability for the rest of the season for it we're going to have it open for every match we're not going to do season tickets in here for the first season at least just so that we can assess the demand and see how many people there are that are interested in coming to use the facility and the easy way for people to get in touch with us is just to get in touch with me at the club on my usual email dave.messenger at watfordfc.com let me know if there's a particular game they're interested in or whether it's just a general inquiry about the sensory room and I'll be more than happy to help and the idea hopefully for the rest of the season is to get more and more people in to come and look at this wonderful facility and if we win every game while the sensory room's open then uh, we might even have some European matches to look forward to next season eh? Good stuff, let's hope so Pete, I'm not going to let you go without asking you what you thought of Watford neutral view, what did you make of the Hornets? Oh, it was excellent. Really enjoyed it today. I think you know Watford should be fine staying up. Either you know Troy Deeney did well again today. Get get that hundredth goal would be be great for him. It was lovely after the match. Nathan got a, got a photograph with him as well. It was very kind. So, yeah, it was brilliant. The hospitality here today, absolutely superb. Um, can't speak highly enough for Watford for, for putting this in as well. It's just a lovely family club. Brilliant, really looking after the fans and things like that. It's just, it's really good. Uh, really proud of this. So, very happy. It's excellent. 
that sensory room is is amazing, and this is something that we as Watford supporters should be should be genuinely proud of. It's not going to benefit me or, or you directly, but there's there's hundreds of families I'm sure who it will will benefit, and and for Watford to invest such a, a big part of stadium real estate in what is a what is a wonderful room. You could see the the, the guys that Kate and Pete there and their, and their son Nathan. They'd had an, an incredible afternoon that they simply would not have been able to do without it. And Watford have worked hard, they've invested in it. Um, and it's easy to talk about being a community club. It's, it's easy to talk about being invested in your supporters. But what Watford have done here, they've, they've actually done it and they've created something tangible that will change, you know, it's not going to change the lives of, of, of kids, but it means it, it, it impacts on their quality of life. If they want to go to football, they couldn't before, they can now. Um, and... I'm very, very proud, and I'm I'm hugely impressed, and 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 really, really delighted to have had the opportunity to 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 go and view it, to meet the shippies, to see Nathan, someone firsthand who's going to benefit from it. This is Watford staying in touch with the community. It's doing something tangible, not just not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And uh, it's the little things that perhaps this this might go unnoticed. Yeah, a lot of well, you, but it will do for vast majority of fans in this in this stadium. They will never use this facility, and might not even know anybody who's using the facility. But there will be a small few who it will be massive for. Yeah, and we we as supporters should be proud of that. That's that it makes my club grow. It feels like they've, they, I can walk taller as a Watford supporter when we do things like this. Um, and massively impressed. And I keep saying the word proud, but I am. I'm proud of my football club. And and hats off to, to Dave uh, and and the Shippy family and, and everyone who's had a, shot, uh, uh, a hand in pushing it through. It's the it's the it's the first um, one in the in the southeast. It's only the second in the Premier League. There is one at Sunderland, but it, it's nowhere near this in size. So don't underestimate. This, you know, this could have been another executive box. It could have been another revenue stream. It's not. It's something that's going to help directly people who need help. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's just a great facility. Well done, Watford. Hats off to everyone involved. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week um, after two away games to sort of pick those apart and to, to see how those have affected this wonderful Watford win here uh, at home against Everton. Um, can this team kick on? Can we go on? Could we make it to Europe? Easy, John. Easy. Uh, you can get in touch, Jason. Uh, what's the best way people get in touch? Uh, you can do it on Twitter at Watford Podcast uh, or on Facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast. Email podcast at from the rookery com. Don't forget Instagram, you little Insta lunatics out there. <laughs> we uh, put the occasional picture up and uh, yeah, so yeah, all your social channels, we're there. Make sure you get in touch. Let us know what we as always, let's uh, be our critical friends. We're very critical about Watford sometimes. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Um, but we love hearing from you, um, especially on days like this. First win against Everton since 1987. Feels bloody good, doesn't it? It certainly does. Uh, my personal thank you uh, to David Cameron Walker and Kelly Sommers uh, for uh, getting involved and taking over uh, hosting duties uh, whilst I've been on paternity leave from the podcast. Fantastic listening to it, uh, and particularly Mike's podcast uh, from, from Barcelona last week. Uh, different yeah, that sounds like a very different stadium to, to Vicarage Road. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, do tell your friends uh, if they don't listen and they're Watford fans. Uh, and make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes to get them first and for free. There is only one phrase that we need to say at the end of a podcast like this and a win like that. Up yours, Andy Gray. <laughs>